from the second chapter of St. Luke. And the shepherds came with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Thus our text. Dear Christian friends, Christmas, tis the season of expectations. So many different expectations from so many different people of so many different people. And we don't always meet each other's expectations, do we? In fact, we don't even know always what the expectations of those even closest to us might be. It reminds me of one of my favorite Christmas cartoons that was composed well over a decade ago by Tom Wilson. Some of you will remember it too. Wilson shows a carload of people that are traveling down a snowy highway and it's well before the days of seat belts and so the kids are in the back of the car and they're yelling and they're shouting and they're bouncing all over place in the back of the car. They're all excited about spending Christmas at Grandpa and Grandma's house and the parents are obviously annoyed with noise and they're irritated and they're short-tempered. And finally, to bring some order to the chaos of it all, the haggard mother shouts out that they are going to sing a holiday song and so they sing together over the river and through the woods to Grandmother's house we go. And then in the last frame of the cartoon, you see the car finally turning into the driveway of the idyllic winter wonderland home. And there, peering out of the frosted window, are the rosy red faces of the sweet-looking, white-haired couple. It's Grandpa and Grandma. And Grandma leans over to Grandpa and she says, We move over the river and through the woods and they still find us. <laughs> Perhaps you remember that, and it certainly isn't true of any grandparents here, I know that, and certainly not for this grandfather of 10, 11, 12, someplace in there, counting one very soon, one day now, another one to be added. In fact, there are likely a number of us who are so grateful that we have grandchildren and that we have grandparents that are able to be here to celebrate this special traditional time of the year with each other. Nonetheless, there are different expectations that we all have of what Christmas should be like, of what we would like Christmas Eve to be, of what we'd like Christmas Day to be. Children expecting certain gifts that they've anticipated for weeks and months even now. Parents expecting certain reactions to the gifts they're going to get. And sometimes these expectations don't match up. Sometimes it's not at all what either children or parents expected. We know that we're expected to be at certain places with certain people at certain times and we arrange our overextended schedules to accommodate the times and places of others but things don't always go as expected. We expect the sentimentalities of the season to send us soaring high above any seasonal disappointments that come our way, but Christmas doesn't always go as expected. Expectations, excessive expectations that place such heavy burdens upon ourselves and upon those around us. And candidly, there are often expectations in this season that sinfully detract from the one in whom the greatest expectations of history and mankind are met tonight. 
Isn't that indeed what we sing? The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee, Bethlehem, tonight. And why? Because in thee, O Bethlehem, is the Christ child, in whom indeed all of the hopes and fears of the years merge and meet. You see, it's not in we, it's not, not in us, it's not in what we do. Rather, it's in Christ Jesus and what he has done and what he still does among us. And so what we right now would do is to set aside all of the expectations that we have of each other, of ourselves on this Christmas Eve, of gift-getting and gift-getting and expecting this or expecting that or tonight or tomorrow's festivities, set it all aside for a little time. Clear your minds of all of those expectations which so often clutter our Christmases and listen instead, put an ear to the echoes that are resounding down throughout history and listen. Listen like the shepherds listen to the night wind which carried with it that message of the angel on that first Christmas Eve, a message telling them what God was doing. What God had done, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. The shepherds who were so awestruck at the sight of the multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and then gave the church that liturgical song that she sings Sunday after Sunday for generations hence. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. The shepherds whose minds were so captured and they were so captivated by the sights and the sounds of it all that scripture says when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the word they heard moved them to do what they of themselves would not otherwise have done. And they said unto one another because of that word of the angel that worked within their hearts and their minds, let us go now straight away unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, note, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And that word of God, that same word of God, spoken today by a messenger of God as well, enables you to do what the shepherds did, to set aside all expectations of what they might, might otherwise be and simply to go with them straight away unto Bethlehem to see those things which have come to pass which the Lord hath made known unto you. See what the shepherds saw. If it helps to close your eyes, do so. But see tonight what the shepherds saw. Nothing else matters right now. It's just you among the shepherds. You're approaching a stable in an ancient town and you're entering from the cold into a grotto cave. And you first see Joseph, the guardian of the virgin and her child, as he cautiously stands up from where he had been kneeling beside the manger and he approaches you. Cautiously to ascertain what your intents might be. And there beyond him, Mary, hovering lovingly, protectively, maternally over the manger, a stone and a wood crib bearing what the jewel-studded cradles of earth's kings could only imagine, but that they would never know because here within this simple cradle, this crib and manger, 
was the king of kings before whom all of earth's kings will someday bow. And your eyes behold that child. And your knees bend as though an angel's touch upon your shoulder quickly schools you as to the posture that mortals are to assume before their immortal Lord. And now for a moment it's just you and the child. Just for the moment it's though even Mary and Joseph and the shepherds are all gone, ushered away by the angel, and now it's just you and the child and your hand moves to, to touch him. But then it slowly pulls back because you think, I can't touch him. He's too sacred for a sinner such as I. But then, as though beckoned by some silent call of grace that grants you divine permission, you reach out and you place one hand beneath his neck and you place your other hand beneath his back and you lift him up out of the manger and you snuggle him closely to your heart and suddenly the strangest of all sensations overwhelm you for somehow you know that this holy child that you hold is indeed embracing you. He has come to embrace you. The miracle of Christmas is not that you hold him. The miracle of Christmas is that God in the flesh has come to embrace you. And dear friend, he who embraces you tonight is not going to abandon you and the many tomorrows that lie ahead in the year to come or the years to come. Indeed, as his infant days became the days of his youth, and his youth matures then into manhood, this child, who tonight stretches forth infant arms to embrace you, will stretch forth his arms once again as a man, as the God-man, to embrace on the cross even your sins, and the sins of all of mankind. As the scripture records, when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son born of a woman, born under the law, that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we then might receive the adoption of sons. You see, he has embraced me and you that we might forever be family, the family of God. Reflecting upon that miracle of God's grace that we call Christmas, the great 19th century American Lutheran theologian C.F.W. Walther put it this way. Oh, the love of God. The love of God to lift the souls of men from heaven to earth. God came from heaven to earth. To prepare people for a place of eternal glory, God left the throne of glory and he chose a stable for his dwelling. In order to make men who had been impoverished through their fall from God eternally rich again, God, the source and the Lord of all possessions, became the poorest of the poor. In order to make man who had become a child of sin his children again, God himself became the child of a sinner. In order to bring man who had denied and cut himself off from his divine origin back to the family of God, God became a part of the human family. 
in order to open man's mouth again, who no longer desired and was able to praise God to the eternal praise of God. God, the eternal word, became a speechless and a bawling and a nursing babe. In order to once again clothe and gloriously dress the naked, soiled soul of man, God had himself become a naked infant wrapped in the porous, swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Who would have thought it? The world surely didn't expect it, and so it had no room for him. And the world still, expecting all of the wrong things in all of the wrong places and in all of the wrong people. Who would have thought it? Thank God tonight that he did. And thank God that with the shepherds of old, he has also made known unto you these things which have come to pass on that silent night so very, very long ago. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.